All right, we are uh, in the Advent season, and we get this year to talk about the Advent from first uh, from John chapter one. And uh, man, it's been a it's been a busy week uh, digging into this this idea, a thought that the Lord put on my heart last week, and that is uh, trying to break the Advent down into in John chapter one into sections. Last week, it was weird for me to to end. Our, uh, our service talking about just leaving God up in heaven. You know, we are talking about the Advent season. Is, it means Advent. Actually, somebody this week asked me what Advent was. So here we go. Advent is actually God becoming man, right? It's God coming into the world in the form of Christ. And so ultimately, that's where we're going with this series uh, for the next, I guess, three more weeks. But it's, it's Jesus coming into the world, God coming into the world. I'm trying to figure out why that's necessary and what was God doing. But last week, uh, we started in John chapter 1 and just talked about the word with God, Jesus being called the word. I was thinking as Kobe was praying, I hadn't had this thought, but it's amazing how many times the word, the word, 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 has come up in my, just in my normal readings. And today as Kobe was praying, you know, asking the the Lord to remove distractions while we were, you know, so that we can hear what God has for us. Ultimately, that's it. It's the Holy Spirit is, is the Word in spirit form, right, living inside of us, communicating. Jesus said, told us that, that you know, prior to his, uh, his crucifixion, he told the, the disciples that the Holy Spirit would come and he would take from mine, take my words and give them to you. He would take what is mine and give it to you. So ultimately... Again, it's just Jesus' words making their way into our lives, and that makes all the difference. It brings life and light. I love that song we sang. It's uh, No Sweeter Name. It's been a while since we sang that one. Uh, it's always been one of my favorites, but I love that phrase. It's, you are the life to my heart and my soul. You are the light to the darkness around me. That's who he is. Jesus is life and light uh, that comes into the darkness, comes into our inability to understand and, and um, comprehend who God is, all the characteristics of God, because we're so, our, our minds have been messed up uh, by sin. Our thoughts and our ability to see God for who he is has been destroyed, literally, by sin. We cannot comprehend who he is. And so Jesus steps into our world to, to bring light and life to help us to know God. That's what the word does. So we're in John chapter 1. Let's pick up there. We'll read uh, the first five verses today, and we'll talk today about the world in the dark. We're gonna, this is going to be even a harder one to leave us in. Last week, I left Jesus in heaven. This week, we're going to leave the world in the dark. All right? It's not a good, not a good thing. But a lot, of, a lot of study this week. Honestly, like, uh, even up till yesterday, I, was just, I started early Monday, and just God just kept on giving me so much uh, just... It's way more than I could communicate to you guys in this, this message, but there's so much in this concept or idea of where sin came from and why it has such an effect on us and where is God in the middle of all of that and what's he going to do for us and how significant it is ultimately that Will gets to preach next week that light comes into the darkness that God steps into the world. How needed that is. So hopefully I can give you a Whet your appetite, anyway, for will for next week. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was, in the, he was with God in the beginning. 
Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. That's where we left him last week. Verse 4. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. That's our text for this week. Now, last week, we began our study of Advent of Christ into the world, describing, uh, as it's described in John's account. And we spent our time talking about the word with God, the word being who? Who is the word? Jesus, right. It's Jesus. Uh, Jesus, the pre-existing word we talked about last week, who was with the Father. The scripture says he was with the Father, right, at the creation of the world. So he was already. He already existed before the world was created, uh, was there when the world was formed. So he is the pre-existent word who was with the Father and the Holy Spirit. He is also the preeminent word who, in light of the fact that he was pre-existent, means that he is greater than us. If he created all of the worlds and the universe, then he is preeminent. He's greater than us. He's not like us. Uh, so he is higher and greater than all of the creation. And he can't be understood or known by us unless he reveals himself to us. It's significant that we understand that in the Advent season, that there's no way we can understand who he is because he is preeminent. There's no way we can understand him unless he reveals himself to us. He's also the proactive word. Last week, we, we set up three chairs. It took us a while to get the chairs un- disconnected. But once we did, we set up three chairs and looked at the fact that God had a plan before creation, the creation of the world. We talked about it in Ephesians chapter 1. He wasn't reacting to sin. It was his plan before the creation of the world to reveal himself to man. And... The, the, the Godhead had a plan before the foundations of the world that Jesus would come and, allow, and, and make a way for us to become a part of the royal heavenly family, existing with them, adopted sons and daughters, to enjoy the fellowship and relationship that God has for us. And that was all planned before the creation of time. Jesus was there before the creation of the world. He didn't enter the world as a baby and never had existed before. He stepped out of heaven and into our world. Then also, finally, Jesus was the productive word who not only had a perfect plan, but who ultimately did his work. As the word, he did work. He was accomplishing that plan. First way he accomplished the plan as the word of manifesting the character of the Godhead was through the creation of the world. He manifested God. And we looked at Romans chapter 1, verse 20. It said that, that it's through the creation of the world that we're able to know God. And so every man is without excuse. The word has spoken. He spoke in creation. Nothing was made without him. He was with God in the beginning. The creative word. Productive. Doing God's bidding. Accomplishing God's work. So we looked at the word with God, who manifested the character of God initially through creation, through the beauty and power of God that we see in creation still to this day, where without excuse we see God because the word has manifested the character of God. But Christmas is the time of year when we celebrate another, the ultimate manifestation of God, 
the ultimate word. And this time, his word comes into a world in the dark. So John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5 said, In him was life, and life was the light of men. We'll talk about that next week. But the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. The light and life were in the word, and the word of God spoken, Jesus, is life and light, and he created the world brought life and light into the world in a form that could be seen by man. The manifestation or expression of the Godhead. Remember, it was to the outside, to those that were outside, so that's us. But the Bible says that the light shined in the darkness. That word was not, that word darkness is not just talking about physical darkness, but it's talking about spiritual darkness, literally That word means the realm of sin and evil. And you see darkness here. The light shining in the darkness in John chapter 1 is the light is shining into the realm of of evil. So the character of God, this manifestation of the character of God is shining into a realm of evil. So it's the opposite of light and life. And if Jesus is the perfection, is perfection, as is described in Light and Life when he created the world, then where did the darkness come from? This realm of sin and evil, where did it come from? If God created the world in the beginning and Jesus is light and life, then where does darkness come from? Let's look at it in Genesis chapter 1. I'll read two, two verses, uh, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, And we know he created it through Jesus, the word, okay? He spoke, right? When God spoke, that was Jesus. God said, let there be, and there was, and it was good, right? So God spoke. In the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth. In verse 2, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. In the beginning, God created through the word Jesus, light and life. And when God creates, there's life and light. So where does the darkness come from? In verse 2, there's this strange statement. Scripture says that the earth was without form and void. This earth that was created in light and life is found to be without form and void. Literally, in chaos. And then it says that darkness was over the face of the deep. This realm of sin and evil was over the face of the deep. So the world is in chaos and covered in darkness and sin and evil. This world that God created, how could that be? Listen, this has been a, a, a great, great discovery in the Word this last week. And I hope that you'll be able to see it. I know you will be able to. I hope you'll stay with me this morning. And grab this, because we need to know where did evil come from. Because ultimately, in the, in the Christmas season, when Jesus comes in John chapter 1, he is light shining in darkness. And we need to know that there's ultimately going to be a response for us to this light in the midst of darkness. And darkness still, is, still reigns here. So everything that God creates is good. Jesus is light. 
and life. So what is this chaos and darkness? We're going to go back in history and see what happened. Where the darkness came from and why it's still present when Jesus comes to earth. Now last week we saw the origin of light in the world. We went all the way back to, to prior to creation to see that. And today we're going to dive into the word to find out the origin of darkness. We're going to have to do what we did last week and go back before the world was created. So we're going to go to Ezekiel chapter 28. And we're going to find here that evil was not created by God. So one of the big questions that people ask all the time, if, if, why did God create evil? It would have been a lot easier if he hadn't. Well, he didn't. One of the big questions we all are asking is, why did God create evil? Well, he didn't. He couldn't. Everything that God creates is light and life. It's good. The origin of darkness was a perfectly created angel of light whose name was Lucifer, which means morning star. He was not created as an angel of darkness. He was created as the most beautiful cherub, an angel of light, a perfectly created angel as described in Ezekiel and Isaiah. So I want us to look at these passages and we'll just walk through them and explain it as we go. Listen to, to this, to where evil came from. In Ezekiel 28, there's a record. It's, uh, Ezekiel's a prophet, and he's speaking about the king of Tyre, but he's really speaking about, and a lot of the prophets do this, when they speak about uh, the, the kings of their time, they may be talking about Christ and his coming, uh, or, the, or the, the, the uh, redemption of the world through Jesus. The prophets also, when they're speaking of, uh, in this case, the king of Tyre, and Isaiah's case, uh, case uh, talking about, uh, ultimately about Herod and uh, the babe that would be born in a manger. Uh, they're also speaking about the evil that's behind those kings, and you'll see it as we read it. It's easy to see Lucifer in this text. So Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 11 to 19. Let's look at it. This is what the sovereign Lord says. You were a model of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Now this Eden was a heavenly Eden. This was, this was prior to, uh, to the earthly Eden. And there's a lot of speculation as to why that's happened. I encourage you to read this. We won't talk much about it today. Uh, Tony Evans talks about the fact that God uh, had a heavenly Eden and he, when, when Satan was cast to earth, uh, ultimately God creates a perfect Eden on the earth in order to show Satan what could have happened with him. Every precious stone adorned you, ruby, topaz, and emerald, chrysolite, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and beryl. Your settings and mountings were made of gold on the day that you were created. They were prepared. You were, an anointed, you were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. So here's a guardian cherub, literally the closest of the angels to God. He's described as, as, as being as beautiful as all these beautiful stones. And those same stones, there's nine of those 12 stones that are uh, were used on the, the chest piece of a high priest. So, so literally that, that you are in the same place as a high priest would be. You are pr- close to me. You are a, a person close to God. The cherubs were the ones that guard, were guardian 
guardians of God, around God. And he was ordained as that. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. Listen, verse 15. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created. All right, so here it is. God does not create evil. He creates a perfect angel, a guardian cherub, one of the best of the best, the highest of the angels, a guardian angel that's around the throne of God, on the holy mount of God, who was blameless, perfect, from the day he was created until, verse 15, part B, wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. And so I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God and I expelled you, O guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty and you you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you where? To the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings. Prophet Isaiah tells this same story in Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 17. How, have you, how you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, which that word is Lucifer, morning star, that's what Lucifer means, son of the dawn. You have been cast down where? To the earth. You who once laid low the nations, you said in your heart, I will, dis- I will ascend to the heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly, on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you were brought down to the grave, to the depths of the pit. Those who see you stare at you and they ponder your, ponder your fate. Is this the man who shook the earth and made the heavens and made the kingdoms tremble? The man who made the world a desert? There you go. Another reference to why the earth is the way it is. He made the earth a desert, who overthrew its cities and would not let its, its, his captives go home. You don't know where evil came from? Here's where it came from. It came from the, the source that we all know. It was Satan, Satan cast down to the earth, Satan who was created as a perfect angel living in heaven, uh, but who, who, because of his pride, tried to place himself above God, and ultimately, God cast Satan to the earth because of it. And when Satan came here, the earth was made a desert. It was made chaotic. It was without form and void. That's what Satan does, and he still does that to this day. Satan has that impact in our world and in our own personal lives. Satan brings darkness, a a world of of evil and sin into our lives. And and, and though we might at times feel like that it's it's bringing something good into our lives, some good pleasure, some, some something that we need, some something that we want in our lives, the truth about Satan is wherever Satan is, there is chaos. There's no form. It's void. It's chaotic. Satan never brings anything good. He has nothing good to offer. And he comes to the earth and is cast down to the earth, and he destroys the earth, a perfect earth that had been created by God. Now, I know we have to figure out, or somebody, if you feel like you have to, 
got to figure out, well, where does that, where does all the time fit? Well, I think it's an interesting question to ask, and if you want to do some thinking about it, there's a lot of people who have done some writing about, you know, time and dates and when the world was created and, and, and why it is that we have millions, that, that, that maybe we had a world that was perfect, that had lots of animals and dinosaurs on it, that when Satan was cast to the earth, that that perfect world was destroyed. And maybe that's what the world that we're seeing, that maybe between chapter or verse 1 and verse 2 of Genesis, that there are thousands and millions of years. Something fun to speculate, doesn't really matter. The truth is, Satan was cast to the earth, and the earth became a, a, a disaster area. It was without form and void, and chaos and darkness covered the earth. He and all the angels uh, were cast down, those that, that were cast with him. Scripture says that he convinced a third of the angels through his trade. A third of the angels were convinced to, to follow him. And they were cast down the earth with Satan. Those are the angels and the demons uh, that, are his, that do his bidding. Revelation chapter 12 Scripture, uh, verse 4, Scripture talks about that. It says that his tail swept a third of the stars out of the, out of the sky and flung them to the earth. And so Satan was cast to the earth, and the earth became without form and void, and evil entered our world, not because God created it, but because Satan had a choice. And apparently all angels have a choice of whether they're going to follow uh, God or not. They're not, they're, they're not different from us in that way. They do have a choice. They don't have the bodies that we have, and there are things that we have that they don't have, which we'll talk about uh, at another time. But, but the angels had a choice, and a third of the angels were convinced by Satan to follow him and were cast to the earth. So God allowed Satan to continue to live on the earth and to reign on the earth for a period of time. And who knows how much time there was between verse 1 and verse 2 in Genesis, but the word created a perfect world. And he created it in the face of darkness. Let there be light, he said, and there was light. The first creation that, uh, that we have an account of, if we take chapter 2 as happening years after chapter 1, is that God says, let there be light. And there was light. Light enters into a chaotic world that God had already created and Satan had destroyed. Let there be light and there was light. But God didn't destroy Satan. Tony Evans says he, he believes that God wanted to show Satan that he could do more with a man who is lower than, created lower than the angels, according to Scripture, that he could do more with a man who was committed to him than he could do with an angel who was not, that God was coming on to Satan's turf. The strongest defeat, according to Tony Evans, and man, I'm, I'm, I'm on with this. The strongest defeat for somebody is to come into their own house, come into the house of the enemy. And defeat them where they are, where he's at his best. So God comes into the earth and creates this beautiful place out of chaos. And in Satan's face, he creates this beautiful world, revealing again his power, how much stronger and how much more wise and how much more beautiful he was than Satan. Now, Will's going to talk more about that next week, but... Just know that Satan is still here. And he's been allowed by God to continue to work in our world. Y'all remember when, when uh, in the Gospels when Jesus 
went through his temptations in the wilderness. And he faces Satan in the wilderness, and Satan tempts him three times, and he defeats him in those temptations. In Luke chapter 4, verses 5 through 6, listen to one of the temptations. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been what? Given to me, and I can give it to whoever, to anyone I want. Satan didn't win the world, and he could have been cast off of the earth as soon as the world was, was created by God. God could have cast him somewhere else, but there's something that God's doing in sending him down to the earth. But he's here on the earth, and he has the freedom according to God's desire. He has the ability to, this, this freedom to work, the, the authority to work. He is the prince of the power of the air. So he's working on the earth. And Paul talks about our response to Satan's work. Paul, all of Paul's letters really are, are speaking about this work of Satan in the world and how we need to defeat him. But in, in Ephesians, he gives us a, a lot of wisdom on how to handle the enemy's tactics. But look at what he says in verses 1 through 3 of chapter 2. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us have also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. In the Ephesians passage, Paul is is saying that we were all dead in our transgressions. All of us were dead because of our sins, because we followed the ways of the world, and that is the ruler, he says, of the kingdom of the air. All of us have fallen fallen prey to the tactics of Satan. We've all chosen to live in darkness. Every person that's lived on the earth, the scripture says in in Romans 3, that all have sinned and come short of God's perfection. God created a perfect world. God created man perfect. In the beginning, when when, when the word spoke, the word was with God in the beginning, creating this perfect world of light and life. It included Adam and Eve, a perfect man and a perfect woman created in a perfect world. It's what God does when he creates. It's perfect. But Satan was given the authority to to operate on the earth. The the snake didn't show up in the garden. He was here whenever the world was created. When the garden was created. When light came. When beauty came to the world. And all he can do is to tempt Satan, or to tempt Adam and Eve to sit. And that's all he can do for us. And the Bible says that all of us, There's not a person in this room today that has not fallen to that temptation. And so there's not a person in this this room that has not lived in darkness. There's not a person in this room that, that has not experienced what it's like to live in a world where we can't see God. We don't understand who he is. We live in darkness. And and in this darkened state, we cannot even see the light. Paul talks about that in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 
In verse 4, he says, the God of this age, again, Satan himself, the prince of the power of the air, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit that's now at work in him, those who are disobedient. He says to the church at Corinth, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Our minds have been darkened. We cannot see light. In our focal passage for today, John tells us that the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot or has not understood it. So as John's telling us the creation story, he says, listen, the the world is created by Jesus, the Word. This beautiful, perfect world of light and life has been created by Jesus. It's evident in the creation, according to Paul in the book of Romans. As we look around us, we see the, the character of God because the Word has come from the heart of God. The Godhead is has shown us who God is, and we see the beauty of who God is. We see the power of who God is, and we're constantly still discovering in the galaxies the depth of the power of God. Enormous power. And it's it's out there, but we've all fallen prey to the tactics of the enemy. And because of that, we, we cannot understand without help. There's no way that that you're ever going to be able to to know God, understand his character, to experience him in a way that that you really know him like you know a person. He's never going to be more than just a a Bible study or or a a theme in the Christmas season and the Easter season. He's never going to be more than just a a series of stories to you or a list of things to do or a pattern to live by. Unless God opens your eyes, we cannot see. Our, our foolish hearts have been darkened. Our minds uh, have been blinded by the God of this age. The darkness has not understood it. We need help. We need help seeing the light. Some people still, still believe that, that if we just preach enough, if we, if we just keep telling the story over and over again that people are going to see the light. The problem is you just don't have a, have a mental understanding. And, and Satan has blinded the eyes of, of church-going people, religious people, to think that us just telling people over and over again and arguing with people and mentally challenging people and winning philosophical arguments is going to cause somebody to see the light. It's not. Jesus had to leave heaven. God ultimately had to come out of heaven and into the world for us to be able to to have the light turned on, for us to be able to really understand the truth about who God was. And even then, as we'll see next week and week after next, even then, some of us are still walking in darkness. We're walking in the darkness of religion or we're walking in the darkness of paganism. Because we're full of sin, we would rather call our darkness light. Because of sin, we would rather, from a pagan perspective, define truth as whatever works for us. We'd rather define 
truth as, well, you know, I know you believe this, but I believe this way. Well, I just think that this is the truth. And, and our response as believers still uh, in, in this day and age is to say, oh, okay, that's cool. So that works for you, all right? That that's truth because I believe it or because, I th- because it works for me? Our eyes have been darkened, and we try to call our darkness light. Man, the enemy has us bound in darkness. He has blinded our eyes. Our foolish hearts have been darkened if we believe that because we, we believe something, that that makes it true. I believe one of the problems in, in the, the church today and in this area is that we spend so much time as really smart theological students of the Bible arguing over semantics in the Bible that we've caused the world around us to believe that the Bible is not true. If y'all can't agree on it, it must not be true. There is no truth. Well, what I believe is true. If we talk about, well, this is what I believe, and, and somebody else is saying, this is what I believe, and we're Christians arguing with each other, and the world's over here saying, well, this is what I believe. If it's valid for you, it's valid for me. Our arguments are not going to make truth truth. Our, our coming to a conclusion or winning an argument or having the best uh, conclusion in an argument or a debate doesn't make it right. We are full of sin, and we'd rather call our darkness light. We worship created things rather than the creator. But from a religious perspective also, I mean, we are coming to the place as a church, thankfully. God has brought us to the place where we're beginning to realize that we cannot save ourselves, that we can't create our own light, that God doesn't look at us and say, wow, you are full of light. Look at how good you are, that there is no light in us, and, and then we will never understand the truth unless God himself not only comes to earth but comes and lives inside of us and shows us light from the inside. We are living in darkness, and we, we need to realize that even as religious people in churches, I, I'm guilty of this. I, I have spent time, there was a time in my life when I would rather call my religion light than to, call, than to have to depend on the light to come into the world than for God to have to actually come into a dark world and show me who he is. Satan defeats us, and he will defeat us, and he will keep us blinded as long as we think that our religious perspective is light. It's not. We need to realize that we're all in darkness, and we are in desperate need for the light. As I hope you feel, I hope you're feeling the weight of what I'm talking about that there is a heaviness of darkness in this world, and it is prevalent in our community. And it's, it still holds on to some of us who have seen the light. We still try to operate in darkness, even though the light lives within us. We, we won't spend any time getting to know the light and allowing God to, to show us the reality of who he is. The word is here, living in us, desiring to show us the light, but he desperately wants to show this community the truth about who he is. The word, the word has come into the world. He's the he's light and life, but the light has shined in the darkness, and the darkness does not understand it. We need the word. We need God to move our hearts, to trans, transform our hearts to where we desire him more than we desire our own righteousness, more than we desire to be in control of our own lives. 
more than we desire the pagan things of this world. And we need to give that kind of light to the people in this community. So as we close this morning, I want you to think about that. Think about the fact that God has has not removed Satan from this world yet, that he's working, he's moving. And ask yourself the question this morning, how is is the enemy robbing you of of the light that God wants to shine in your life? How is the darkness still ruling in your life? And how, how does God want to use you? How does God want to change that, first of all, and then ultimately want to use you and use us to show the world the truth about who he is? Fathers, we pray this morning. Lord, I don't know all the whys about what you do because your ways are higher than mine. Your thoughts are higher than mine. But I thank you that you've shown us truth today about our world. That we live in a dark world. The darkness reigns here. That the prince of the power of the air is at work in children of disobedience right now. That, that he has been given the, the freedom to, to move and work. The authority. And and we desperately need to realize that 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 we are still some of us are still living in darkness. All of us really are in some ways. And God, I pray that you you would show us the ways in which we're gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, following its desires and thoughts, and pleasing the enemy. And God, that we would just be determined today to join you in what it is that you're trying to accomplish on this earth. Lord, that we find ourselves coming to to be a part of joining you and showing Satan what you can do through humans who are lower than the angels. God, I pray that you would strengthen us as we continue to study and that you would help us to see the the beauty of the advent. And God, that we would embrace you coming into the world and see our need for you and allow you to come and make sense and bring light and life to our chaotic and dark worlds. We praise you for coming into this world, for being our God, for choosing to make things clear so that we could know you. We embrace that today, and we praise you for that today. We worship in Jesus' name.